But the point is, this morning we want to just refresh our thinking regarding why we exist, not just who we are. We're not going to go into who King City Church is. You should know that a little bit. But why again? And, and part of the why is just give you a little bit of feedback. And part of our in-house um, discussion and, and as elders, we want to inform you just about where we are financially. So we're going to give you just a quick feedback. Um, I hope that is okay. If you have questions and you're part of King City Church, you're welcome to come and ask us about just the detail. We don't have time to go into every little detail, but I'm going to show you just a couple of slides, and we're going to start with the first one as we go back as far as 2020 and 2021. Just a summary of that, and so I'm not going to take much time, but you would see in 2020, our income was such, uh, the expenses were 29, and then the year that followed, we had a little bit of a slump, as you can see there. Um, obviously, just COVID and all those things related to it. We, we took some strain during 2020, 2021, and um, again, our income expenses were closely related. We're jumping to the next year, um, which is obviously 2022. And yeah, you see, we, we recovered well. We, our income was 38,000 and expenses were very close to that. Um, thankfully, we were able to do uh, what we needed to do in that year. And so the next slide will just give you a little bit of an understanding of where the monies would go five main areas that we normally focus on. Apostolic ministry is really where we do church planting. And a lot of you would know that, that much of the cost towards getting the Vic Falls Church planted um, and traveling and everything related to that came from King City Church. Year 20, 2021 and 2022 was a lot of effort and then finances went into that. We also do, um, when we have visitors that come to visit us as, as our friends, we appreciate them. And then if there are any international ministry related, um, that's also happening. Just by the way, on the Vic Falls thing, next week is an amazing moment. Many of you don't know this, but um, eldership, um, you would know this first of all. Eldership is a key thing for us in a local church. We believe that, that, that a church cannot function without proper leadership. And so for the last four years, we've been preparing a gentleman and his wife to, to come onto eldership. And next Sunday, there's going to be an ordain of him and together with his wife. And uh, he's going to be the elder. She's serving with him as his wife. But it's an amazing moment. I don't know how many of you know Jamie Henson. Um, he's, um, he's a businessman up in, in Vic Falls. And so next Sunday, we're going to be doing the ordination of that. And a friend from Dubai, Rob Hutton, will be with us to help us assist. And it's just something to celebrate. I want you to know about it. The next thing that we do about 10% in 2022 was the church ministries where youth is involved, the children's church, leaders development, training materials, special events where we do. And special events would be, for instance, um, over Easter when we have something special happening or a birthday party or whatever. Giving. We believe in sowing into other churches. We believe in making a difference in people's lives through mercy gifts, etc. And music development, by the way, as you have under church ministry. The next slide, I'm rushing through it. Uh, but again, if you want to discuss this with us, you're so welcome as being part of King City. Operational cost and staff cost would obviously take bulk of what we do. Operational cost is self-explanatory. I'm not going to go through any detail in regards to those things. You can see hospitality, by the way, that's your Sunday stuff. 
everything that we do on a Sunday, everything related to that, um, the normal rent that we pay for this facility and the facility next door. Um, yeah, just those are the things that we need to cover. And then staff costs would have been 30% of our budget or our income from last year. The next slide will just give you a pie explanation or idea of how it was split so that you can see just how things um, were allocated during 2022. All right, so that's also very, very simple. Just want to give you an update up to now this year, 2023. We're standing on basically the same percentage as what last year had been, 2022, 2023 so far. Um, income thus far is 3,000, uh, roughly at the same place. Our, our, um, our expenses are also around about 3,200 a month. Um, and so this is where we are. Um, but may I add, this is not where we want to be. <laughs> um, the reality is that we have been blessed and God has been good and it's through your giving that we've been able to, to, to receive this and to obviously expend it. Um, but we need to consider the reality that actually this is half of where we need to be um, and want to be. And it's not because, you know, people need to be paid exlabulate, um uh, salaries. We, we do have areas where we can't really um, commit ourselves to yet because of our income not being exactly where we would like it to be. So we are thankful for what we've been given and what God has enabled us all. It's not you, I'm part of this. And so God has enabled us to give. But I do feel that God's going to stretch us because over the last two years we've been able to do what we need to do but not as well as we want to do it. The next slide is just updating you of uh, where we stand with the property fund. And there exactly you can see the figures. We mean to pay 45,000. We've got 41,860 at our disposal. We're short of 3,140. And uh, we're trusting the Lord that obviously through your generous giving, we'll be able to cover this. And on top of that, We've got this wonderful reality that month by month, we, um, we're trusting the Lord for our income to, to increase. And so we, we don't often talk to you about what is in your pocket. We talk to you most about what is in your heart. Because what is in your heart will determine what comes from your pocket. And I've got to often, often be challenged as well about, God, my heart, is it ready to be a giver? and ready to remain a giver. One of the things that Sumin and I, as a family, we decided even before we got married, now almost 35 years ago, is that we will give. The moment we receive funds, I believe in a tithe. I believe that I've been blessed so that I can give, and a tithe for me is a bare minimum. Whenever I can give more, I thank the Lord that I can, and I'm trying to boast. We're just trying to say this is what our hearts need to be full of. And so many of you are faithful in that. Well done with that. We want to trust the Lord that as a church we'll be able to go beyond where we have been. And so this is just a friendly reminder. We're not asking for your money. We're challenging each other's hearts. All right. And if you want to consider just what it means to give and you don't understand it, please come and talk to us. You're so welcome as we, as we challenge and encourage one another towards a lifestyle of giving. I think that's about it, eh, on these slides. Thank you very much. So please feel free to talk to us and ask us more questions on this 
should you have, and you can come and do that with any of the elders, and we'd love to chat it through with you. Okay, good. I want to just have a drink, and um, this is just water, by the way. Somebody once said to me, oh, I wonder what's in your, in your flask when you have something to drink. You're like, yeah, I wonder. That's why it's, it's closed. It's not see-through. You can't see what's inside, eh? But eventually what is drunk here will be shown, is it, in, in public. So if there's something dodgy, you'll see it. And then we can blame that. Hey? <laughs> anyway, let's pray. Father, this morning, we thank you just for the fact that once again we can gather and we have this incredible privilege to do so. I thank you, Lord, for the funds, the finances that you have released through your people through their hearts, not just through their hands, but first of all, through their hearts that are open to you. And Lord, as we just dig deeper into, again, what you've called us to do and to be as a church, I thank you that in this time together that our hearts will be encouraged, our heart may be challenged, and that we will, Lord God, respond to you as you want us to. I pray, Lord God, that you'll help me Jesus, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here. Spirit of God, I thank you that you speak and that you will guide us. That as a church, Lord God, we will be really moving more and more, deeper and deeper, closer and closer to what you call us to be in this city, this country, this continent, and in this world. We thank you for that. Jesus precious name. Amen. Amen. I want to show you a picture up here of um, an amazing place. I didn't even know about this place until I started doing some research. How many of you know where this is? Anyone? This is real. It's not a, it's not a graphic thing. Yes, sir. Ah, you've been. Oh, this is in Kuala Lumpur and city Kuala Lumpur in the country called Malaysia. So those are the twin towers of Petronas. They call it the twin towers of Petronas in that city. Beautiful. The next picture will just give you, oh, by the way, before you go there, you see the, the tower bridge here between the two towers. Now look at the next picture. It's just an image from, from that tower bridge between those two massive uh, constructions. It just gives you, now this is like even a halfway up this, this tower. The next slide gives you just an, a little bit of detail of this construction. It says that this tower was once the tallest. It's now been, you know, people keep on fighting about having the tallest building in the world. <laughs> anyway, I don't think we'll get close to getting that done in Zoom soon. But anyway, that building is 452 meters high. That's quite, quite a distance, you think. What is unique about this building is that it still is the building with the, high, the, the, the deepest foundation. And that's the next slide. It gives us the, the measurement of how deep they had to go for the foundations. Now, that's quite a distance. 120 meters deep to make sure that 452 could stay in place. Now again, we know the, the value of foundations and that, and we know that 
this building and all of the buildings that we all live in and go through have, have these things underneath them. But this building is the building with the world's deepest foundations. They say that the 104 concrete piles make up the foundations. And they said that it is designed to spread the load of the huge building as the land around the structure is notoriously unstable. There's some black soil around that area, they say, that forced them to go that deep to make sure that what needed to be done there is sustained. Often we just value that, isn't it? I mean, there's no picture. I actually went and looked for just some pictures on the foundations. They obviously had some construction pictures. of, But you can't really see the foundations because it's invisible. It's not there available to be seen, but it is there to be enjoyed. Now, I want to say that us too, we, we have a notoriously unstable world around us, don't you think? Isn't it? But God has called us to be involved in seeing his church built and being influential in our world. Hence the need for our foundations to be deep and to be strong. And so this morning, I want to talk about us as a church and King City in particular there. And about going deep so that we can go not necessarily high but wide. And so this morning's topic is, is the title of my message is Deep and Wide. You see, we have to go both. It's not either or. We can't just have wonderful foundations and no reach and no influence. Local churches should be categorized by deep roots and, and wide reaches. That's why we exist. We want to go deep in God, to know God, to understand who He is, but not just stay there. We can't just, it's not either or, it's both and. We should be bold in our proclamation and attractive in our approach. We should not make it hard for people to know that God loves them because we are deeply rooted in his love for us. And as a church again this morning, I want to remind you of that and say it's not just about buying a property. $3,140 later, we've now paid for it. Then we've got to just do the transfer and sort that out. Then we've got to put a fence around it. Then we've got to dig uh, a borehole for water. Then we've got to just develop a place where we can regularly just go and enjoy ourselves and, and have whatever. Maybe it's just a pry. And then we've got to develop plans so that we can do a building and so on and so on. It's not going to stop. But the deeper we can go in our persuasion that God has called us to be the church here in, in the city called Bulawayo, the wider we can have a reach. And so... See, in the Gospels, that's what Jesus did. He went deep in his walk with God, and he went wide in his influence on people. So how can this practically look like for us if we go deep? I, I believe we've got to be deep in conviction. We've got to be deep in our belief. We've got to be deep in our worship. We have to be deep in loving God. We have to be deep in the truth. We have to be deep in obedience towards our king. We've got to go deeper and deeper and deeper, 120 and beyond. <laughs> we don't measure our depth. But you know, our depth is eventually seen. Because then when we go wide, it needs to be wide in grace. Grace you've received, you're deep in that, so you can extend grace 
widely, that we can look at a world that's falling apart, that is like this ground or this area around that, um, that, that, that tower was called notoriously unstable. So we have to live and go wide in grace and, and extend it towards people because we have this incredible unstable environment around us. We're going to be wide in service. We're going to be wide in mission. We're going to be wide in giving. We're going to be wide in application of the truth that we've gone deep in. Can't just say, well, I know all of this stuff, but the application is it's that wide. Or the height is this much. Imagine a building with 120 meters of foundations, but like five meters of visibility. That's ridiculous. Imagine all the money that they spend on 120 meters of foundations, and then they go 10, 15 meters high. It's like a waste of money. And I wonder if we don't just often do that as believers. We go deep, we study, we read, and it's good, but our reach is limited because we kind of just hold on to this stuff. We're going to go wide, deep and wide. And our time of prayer this last week from the book of Nehemiah just made that clear to me again as I, as I really went through it and, and busy reading it. And some of the things about his life gripped me. And, and so I want to share you some of these things in the, from his life and how we can consider foundations as an effective way for us to go wide. And we have been called as, City, as King City Church to go wide. We, all churches have been called to do that. But we cannot speak into other churches. We're speaking into this context. And so I want to challenge you about being deep. But I want to challenge you also about being wide. We can't just have either or. It's both. So I want to show to you some hidden things from the book or from the life of Nehemiah this morning. As we consider just what it means or what he had in his life as foundations. Just some things that I consider, well, I hope that you would consider regarding your own convictions that you have or may not have as we look at his example. And so Nehemiah knew and believed the following things about God. So the next slide is what we want to look at. We're going to look at the foundations in Nehemiah's life, the things that he believed about God. And I want to use that to challenge us and to ask you are these things relevant in your life? Because the more they can be, the more we should go wide. And then we'll look at how wide he actually went. And it's actually said, I don't have all the time to go through all of these things. I'm going to give you some, but there's not enough time for us to go through everything that is found in these 13 chapters in the book of Nehemiah. The first thing I want to say to you from verse 5, chapter 1, is that he knew that God... First thing there, please. He is Lord, the God of heaven. It's a simple thing. But it's a massive, massive truth that he carried with him in his life. And you read about that in verse 5. As he was praying, he said, O Lord, God of heaven. To Nehemiah, God was the absolute king of the universe. To him, God is the only God, and there's no one like him. Now that could be a simple thing for some of us to think, oh, okay, what's the big deal about that? The big deal is this, that he didn't believe that there's anybody else that could deal with the affairs of this world and handle things but God. 
So that's a deep foundational value that we live with. And I don't know where you are, but we're going to use these things to let you take time and go consider and say, are these things part of my life? Because if they're not, the building that you want to build and the life that you want to live is not going to be stable. If these things are absent, I dare to say to you this morning, friend, that you're building on, on sand, as Jesus said, and not on a solid rock. So this is solid rock material that we're talking about. And I want to ask you to look into your own life and see if these things are there. The next thing that we see, he, he speaks about, and then in this prayer, he says, I said, Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God. So he believed that God is great and awesome. He absolutely convinced that God is able to do anything. God, you're great and you're awesome. What a statement to make. You see, we, we, we have so many things in life that we consider to be great and awesome. <laughs> I mean, that, that team is great and awesome. The way that they play, you know, it's just amazing. People just love watching football when so-and-so plays. And each of you have a, a different persuasion as to what team that may be. And it's like, wonderful, that's great. But are we able to live with a deep conviction that God is absolutely the greatest one? And we can never compare God to a soccer team or a sports team. That's not what we're trying to say. It's just we're trying to give you some understanding of how great God ought to be in our minds. Because that's foundation stuff. So what is your foundation like regarding this? We hasten on. It says in verse 5, it carries on in this prayer. He says, this great and awesome God keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. So he says here, God is a promise keeper and will forever love us. That's what he believes about God. That's foundation stuff. So if any of these things, if, if you cannot understand, or not understand, but if you cannot believe this and say from the bottom of your heart, this is what I believe about God, then there's something in our foundation that is not deep about who God is. In other words, our width and our reach will be influenced by the lack of this. If we as a church, we, we're wondering about this. There's a beautiful word in Greek called himenar. <laughs> we're himenar. We're unsure. <laughs> it's not a Greek word. But if we're unsure and unstable about if God is indeed a promise keeper, I read his word and I'm like, I don't know. Will he love me regardless? I don't know. Then something in our foundation is shaky. Then what God has called us to be on top of surface, the reach of 452 meters is not going to be possible because our foundations are in, not in place. And so it's not just collectively, but it's individually. If, if your foundation is not deep in God, then your reach there will be affected and you'll be unstable. A little bit of wind comes. Notoriously unstable environment that we're in, isn't it? And if we are not established and grounded in who our God is, then our reach will be affected. The fourth thing I want to show, show you from just, this is just a beautiful prayer that he's praying. He says in verse 6, he says, Here be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants. He believed, I believe that, seriously. if I look at this, the deduction that I'm making is that he, that he knew that God listens and watches over our prayers. 
You're speaking to God. Like, God, as I pray to you, may you hear this. May your ear be attentive. May your eyes be open to what I'm praying. He was saying that in faith, saying God does listen. God does watch over us. And so that brought a confidence in him that he's saying, I can pray to God because God listens. Again, that's a foundational thing. Prayer is based on what I believe about God. Prayer cannot just be a, a ritual that we go about because I have to pray, now I'm going to pray. But my prayer is a communication, is a conversation with God. And it depends on what your belief is about God. They don't make your prayers effective or not. So who are you praying to? So what are you praying? First of all, who are you praying to? Who do you believe he is? Nehemiah had a conviction about God. 120 meters of foundation. You see it there. The next thing that he says about God as he prays. Now these are things that we can see. Nehemiah understood about God. Foundational things in his life established. He says at the, at the end of verse 6. He says, if I confess the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against, when we have sins against you, even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes and the rules that you commanded your servants. So what he's actually saying through this, I confess because I know God forgives. He had a belief. He had a conviction that God would forgive. Hence he could approach God and say, God, I'm even acting on behalf of the people, but even for where me, myself and my father, where we have committed sins against you, I thank you that you will forgive. So you and I can, if this is a foundational stone in our lives, we have the liberty, we have the confidence, because we know God forgives. We can approach him, but when we've gone wrong, and we do go wrong, that we can approach him with confidence that he will forgive. Foundation stuff. He carries on. He says in verse 8, listen to this, a beautiful portion. He says, remember the word that you commanded your servant. So obviously, Nehemiah was aware of what had happened in the book that we had just done through Exodus. He knew what uh, Moses had experienced. He knew what God had promised. It says, remember what you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me, repent and return to me. And keep my commandments and do them. Though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I've chosen to make my name dwell there. I want to say to you that he had a conviction that we will never be too far from God to be restored to him. Listen to what he says. Though your outcasts in the uttermost parts of heaven, I will gather them. That's Deuteronomy 30 verse 4, by the way, when God said to Moses, even though you may be as far as what you possibly can imagine, God says, I have the ability to pull you back. Foundation stuff. It says, I can see that the building can go up because the foundation is secure. If you have a doubt in your heart this morning about God being able to pull you back, or pulling back people that you know are far from God. There's something in your foundation belief that is not the truth. If you sit here this morning and you feel condemned because you've wandered off. And you've gone 
perhaps not as far as that, but you're not where you're supposed to be. You have to believe this. If you don't, then we've got to help you to understand that this is the truth. Because as you see these things established in your life, you can see what God can do from there on. But these things have to be part of our thinking, the way we live. We need to know that we will never be too far from God to be restored to Him. Wonderful word there that it actually says that God says, when I restore you, I restore you for myself because it says it's your people. It says it's mine. I will bring them to me. I will bring them to me. And then this one in verse 11 where it says that actually in front of anybody, God can give us favor. Listen to what it says in verse 11. It's part of his prayer. It says, oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name. And give success to your servant today today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. So the simple story is, if you don't know it, but Nehemiah felt compelled to go back to his people. He was in another country serving because they were in exile as the Israelites. And um, they, he, was, he was just aware of this need in Jerusalem. And so he went to the king to get permission because he was the cupbearer in the king's palace. And as he was approaching him, this is the prayer that emerged. And then he said, God, please, if I go and see him, please give me favor. I just want to say to you, God has given us, is able to give us favor with any person. Whatever situation you may find yourself in that you're trusting and believing for the favor of God upon your life. Here we had a king that was ungodly, that was not interested in, in the things of God. But when Nehemiah went to him, God gave him favor. And maybe there's a situation in your life that you need God's favor on you for whatever it may be. We can trust the Lord. Again, foundational stuff. We're living in this nation and we're like, God, you've called us to this. We ne- really, really need your favor. We really need your grace. But that's a foundational belief we have. That'll enable us to see 450 meters of building being erected, not just physically, obviously. And then the last thing about his convictions that I just want to give to you, it's from a, a later verse in verse Chapter 4 and verse 14, it says, No matter what opposition we may face, our hope can always be in God. Now, this is what Nehemiah did experience. He had so much opposition that came his way because of the people saying, Oh, you're ridiculous. They laughed at him actually, trying to rebuild this wall. But then in the midst of this, he trusted his God. He says, No matter what I go through, I will not give up. In chapter 4 and verse 14, he says the following, it says, and I looked and arose and said to the nobles and the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Those are the people that were opposing their effort to rebuild the wall. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives and your homes. So this is a foundational thing when we can say, remember the Lord who is great and mighty. The opposition is out there. The world is laughing at us. People might be saying, how in the world can you serve the Lord in this environment? How in the world can you go and do certain things like you feel is right and the truth? For instance, just the other day, talking about it and they're saying, there are people that are saying to us, you know, why do church? Because it's it's irrelevant. The role of the church is really just kind of like 
lost its importance in the world. No, the church will always remain. The values that we believe as the people of God, to serve one another unselfishly in a world that is completely selfish. We go against certain things. And so no matter what opposition we may face, and just off light, we've been talking about the reality that young people and, and, and single people face in terms of sexuality. The world says, sleep around, live together, do your own thing, because everybody else is doing it. Now we come and we say, that's the opposition. So what do we do? <gasps> oh my goodness, maybe we should just succumb to it and give in to it. No, as the people of God, we have certain values that we believe. God says, these are the foundation things that I want you to have so that the building can look holy unto him. So we challenge one another and we encourage one another that no matter what opposition there is out there against what you believe in God is the right thing to do. Like for instance, giving. People are like, why do you give to the church? It's a belief we have. It's a foundational belief we have so that God can do the work wider through us. So there will be opposition and you may have already faced it, but be strong in the Lord and never give up. So if we just consider these eight things, by the way, there are more. We just don't have the time. I just want to show you briefly some of the outworking, some of the fruit of this, how wide his life went because of these things underneath. The things that are hidden became visible. Remember this whole prayer that he prayed here was in his own private room. Nobody saw that. But people did. They saw the outworking of it and what he then went and did. And so let me just show you some of these things that were incredibly deep in Nehemiah enabled him to go wide. And so these are the convictions he had about God that led to the following. So the next slide, the effect of these foundations in Nehemiah's life. I want to just show you a couple of things. The first one is he was heartbroken for his people. Where did that come from? Because he had a relative there? No, because the foundational things in his life about who God is about how important God is to him, made him be broken, heartbroken for the, for the sake of his people. So again, the deeper we go, the wider our reach. So he was heartbroken, and you can read those verses. The second thing is, we, it says that he, he accepted responsibilities for his own mistakes. We read through that prayer where he admitted sin before God, and he said, God, I, I have sinned. My fathers have sinned. Our people have sinned. So it's not just, it's not my, my issue. They've broken down the wall. They, the, the wall was broken down because of their sins. I mean, I'm okay here. I'm a cup bearer. It seemed like he earned good money there. I'm safe. King likes me. My people are in, in disarray and it's not great. So what? Foundation in his life. God being there. The values of God in his life caused him to say, no, I've got to take responsibility for what's gone wrong. I want to make a difference. And I accept my own responsibility. The third thing we see here, he was not embarrassed about his true feelings. He goes to the king. And the king picks up that he's not doing well. It says in chapter 2, verse 2, and the king said to me, why is your face sad seeing you are not sick? He was compelled he couldn't hide his feelings about the state of his people back in Jerusalem. 
And he didn't try to hide that, pretend that it's not there. How are you doing? No, I'm okay. No, no, you're not okay. What's happening? No, I'm okay. And then when he shared his heart from what was happening in his, in his spirit, he was deeply distressed. The king then, the story is the king gave him favor to go and tend to his people. He was not embarrassed about his true feelings. Deeply convicted about who God is and what God calls us to. The fourth thing I want to say to you, he was willing to do something about his convictions. <laughs> he had these convictions about God and, and God calling us to serve one another perhaps. And, and he's like, oh, no, let me just keep those things suppressed. The moment I hear about a need, I'll just pretend it's not there. But he was willing. And I, we just don't have enough time to go through all of this. But, but Nehemiah had a really kosher job and a kosher place to live in. But he was willing to sacrifice all of that because he deeply was convicted to go and make a difference in other people's lives. That is why it's so incredibly important that the more we get the Word of God in us and it changes our minds, it can start changing our hearts so that when we are engaged in our world that we're living in, we can make a difference. That it's not just, I know that God loves but when he calls on me to go and love others, I'm like, ah, that's not really what I want to do. Oh, but I know he loves them. Deep conviction led to action. It's great to have convictions, but those convictions need to take us wide. The deeper, the wider. The next thing that we see about his life is that he was patient with a vision God had given him and waited for the right moment to share it. He was deeply patient. We see the story. He gets into the city and he goes about just praying and walking through the city. He doesn't go on with a banner and say, here I am, your Savior has arrived. But he realizes that God had called him to do something and he was prepared to just let it be something secret in his heart, not to display it for everyone to see. He was waiting patiently because he had a deep conviction. Then the sixth thing that we see is that his convictions led him, led, then led to others taking responsibility beautiful thing that happened here is that when he shared his heart and what God had called him to, we see the whole of chapter 3, how every family took responsibility of rebuilding the wall closest to them. And so one man's conviction led to the other people taking responsibility for what they needed to do. So I want to say to you, the deeper our convictions can go, and the more we respond to those convictions, the more we can possibly influence others. So don't ever underestimate the value of foundational truths being built into your life and you being willing to respond to that. Remember, he had to respond. He didn't just write them a message saying, this is what I believe. But his belief led to action. And then his action caused others to take action. He incorporated them and what God had called them to. So as a church, this is what we need to do. We need to go deep in our convictions. We need to grow in them. But then we need to take action. We need to live our lives where we are positioned. In such a way that people can see what you are convicted of. They need to hear it. We can never be secret agents for the Lord. He's always been... Very clear in the Gospels that Jesus says, I'll put you, I want you to put yourself on the table, not under the table. Says, Paul says he's called us to be an ambassador. An ambassador is somebody that is visible. 
because he represents the country. Go have an ambassador that's never out there. I guess those guys are very busy because they must have, had, must have so many appointments and, and engagements because they need to represent their country in the new nation or the foreign nation that they're in. They can't just be in hiding. They've got to be seen, isn't it? So that's the terminology, that's the language that the New Testament uses for us to be under, help us understand that we've got to be wide in the expression of our depth of foundation. The next thing that we see Nehemiah does out of this conviction is that him and the people were committed to complete what they started. Chapter 4 and verse 6. Now in the midst of all of this opposition, we find this beautiful world, um, verse here. Nehemiah 4 verse 6. So we built the wall, and all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Oh man, that said so much. They're like in the midst of all these things that are against us, there's this commitment. There's this dedication to do the work that the Lord had called them to. Deep conviction, deep commitment, wide influence. So they had a mind to work. Where did that mind come from? Came from what they had in their hearts. Said we are called to something. And we're not going to stop short. We're not going to stop in terms of what God has called us to. Next thing that we see in verse 9 of that same chapter is when he prayed when opposition came. He was not flustered by it. He just cried out to the Lord. Because his deep conviction about God led him to a, a prayer. That's why we pray. Because we believe that God is able to do whatever it is that needs to be done. I hasten on to close. We look at just three more illustrations and examples of what the deep convictions that Nehemiah had resulted in. The next one is, it greatly displeased him when people were ill-treated by others. There was a situation that arose in chapter 5 where people were, were actually not kind to one another in terms of money being owed and they, they asked interest and etc., etc. And, and his heart was upset. Why? Because of a foundation in his life. He said, I cannot allow this abuse this ill-treatment to happen. And I want to say to you, our foundation in Christ should lead us to standing up for what is wrong and unacceptable in our world. We cannot just have a conviction about things but not speak about it. Because again, you build 120 meters of deep foundations and you build a building of 10 meters high. Our reach, our width of impacting our world needs to include us standing against that which is wrong. Abuse. And I'm not saying that we've got to go walk the streets. I'm just saying we've got to have a voice as the people of God to say, this is what we believe is right. The abuse of women is not right. The abuse of children, the abuse of authority, the abuse of wealth, it's not right. We're going to speak about it and challenge one another. We're going to speak about fathers that are absent, mothers that are absent, and say, this is not right. The biblical way is this. We've got to help one another toward, not, not, we cannot condemn, we cannot judge people, but we've got to challenge, and we've got to speak about it. And here he had an incredible foundation in his life that led him to saying, I can't be happy when these things are happening. I can't agree with it. I've got to speak up. 
Even in church, we're going to speak up here. We're going to treat each other fairly. We're going to love all one, everyone. We can't prefer the other to the one. We're going to make space for every person that's different. That's why the body of Christ is such a beautiful place. Because you're confronted with people that aren't like you. And in this environment, when people aren't like us, it's so easy to run away and say, I don't like it. And people say, oh, no, just not, I'm a little bit busy for church these days. Why? Often it's because I don't like them. I don't like that one. I don't find it comfortable with these ones. And that's why I prefer just, if your foundations are deep, my friend, you don't care who they are, we've got to go wide. We've got to go high. And so we live in a world where there's so much focus on male, female, white, black, colored, Indian, whatever it may be. And those things are the devil are using to separate people from one another, even in the church. So I want to challenge us, not just you, us, myself included. We cannot have these things that we say, I build my life around this. This is who I mix with. This is, no, we've got to reach beyond our areas of preference. Our language of preference. This is not my first language. Many of you, we communicate with each other in our second language because we make space. I don't understand Shona. I don't understand the belly. Some of the words here and there. You don't understand my Afrikaans. But we get together around English and we find commonality in that. And in that we find that we can do things together. And that's a beautiful picture of the body of Christ coming together. We've got to get it right here. We've got to make it happen here because it's very difficult out there. And so if you find it difficult with my skin color, please forgive me. I can't help it. That's who I am. My first language is not your language. Except I like things that you don't like, except vice versa. But we've got to reach beyond our areas of preference and reach into each other's hearts and, and say, you can be my friend. I can be your friend. And there will be things that we will always disagree about. You just don't bry meat like that. I can't imagine how people can bry. Anyway, that's just why I like to do my meat on a fire. Anyway, but we, we don't use those things to bring separation. We actually try to get closer to one another. So please make space for me as much as I also try to make space for you. But let's make space for one another. Is that okay? The deeper our foundations, folks, the wider our our reach will be, and we cannot let our reach be determined by my preferences. My preferences. We're going to let those preferences submit itself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and say, Father, whatever is good for you is good for me. Nehemiah did that. And then the second last thing we find here is he was an incredibly generous man. For 12 years, he became, he became governor of, of the area, and he was allowed to have a certain perk come his way. Food was given to him, and he could eat as much as he wanted, and he said, no, no, I'm not going to take that. For 12 years, he didn't. You can read about that in five, chapter 5, verses 14 to 18, where he um, never allowed the allowance available for him to feed the people that came to see him or to be with him. For 12 years, he used his own resources to feed people. And it would say that so many as 150 men would sit around his table. 12 years. He fed them from his own pocket while there was an allowance available 
that he could have used. He says, now I'd rather do this. Some deep foundation there. Amen? About what it is to be generous. It's like, God, I know you. Therefore, I want to. Therefore, I will. And therefore, again, when we go back to our finances and whatever else, like, God, help us to go deeper in our conviction of what it means to be your people and to be part of your church that need to reach into this country and beyond. Help me, Lord God, not to just wait for the allowances to come, but to give from our heart and be a part of your plan to make this a wide reach. The last thing, as he lived with the fear of the Lord in his life. His frame of reference was firstly what was pleasing unto God. I want to say to you that we live with this utter dependence upon the Lord and the fear of God. We can go places. We can do things for God. That not to try to impress the world, but to be faithful unto our Father. And as King City Church, God has called us to not just be a group of people that gather, but we are a group of people to go. There's a wonderful thing about the church of Jesus Christ that we are both a gathering people and we are a scattering people. We gather for moments like this. It's afternoon we want to gather, but actually we are mostly a scattering people. We scatter to our homes. We scatter into the workplaces. We scatter to the um, schools that we're that we part of. We are a scattering people for most of the time. But you know, we can only scatter well when our depth is deep. When we've gone 120 meters and beyond. God has called us to go wide, but we almost never ignore going deep. Both of these work together. That's the next slide. We're going to talk about what foundations that you have. do you have. What are the foundations that you have in your life? And are those foundations able to take you where you need to go? Next one. Are those foundations in your place, in your life, enabling you to go wide? Because if they're not, let's help you to go deeper and ask. We have, by the way, we've established a foundational set of um, doctrinal, doctrinal beliefs and, and those 15 steps are there to help you to go deep and as deep as possible. If you've never had them, work through them, please ask us. Please ask, see through the broadcast list. Please ask us here at the Info Hub so that we can help you to go deep. All right? Because the deeper we go, the further our reach will be. So why, how wide has, called, has God called us at King City Church? I mean, you know, how long is, is whatever? What's that saying? How long is a piece of string? How wide has God called us at King City Church? It's really how wide do we want to go? But it depends on how deep we're prepared to go. The Bible says that when the Holy Spirit came upon the people, God said that Jesus said, you will wait and then he will come and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Our Jerusalem is below our our Jerusalem is Hillside, Burnside, Kalani, Matsomslope, Luveve, Cowdery Park, Nketa. That's our Jerusalem. Our Samaria could be 
And at the moment we're reaching into the falls and we're helping a church get established there. Beyond that could be the rest of Zimbabwe. Beyond that, the rest of the world. And shortly we will take a team from here to the Czech Republic to reach into that nation. How wide do we want to go? Not just in terms of geographical width, but how wide and how deep do we want to go into people's lives and make a difference in this world? And I encourage you to make yourself available by going deep. And then put up your hand. Say, God, take me wide. Wide in whatever area. And if you realize that, God, it's not deep enough. I'm desperately needing to go deeper with you because I recognize that you called me to go wide. I want to ask you just to before the Lord, just say, God, please help me. Let's close our eyes. Father, this morning as we just engage you in this way, I thank you that, Lord God, our time together, I trust, has been helpful in the sense of just looking at where we are as a church, background, financially. I thank you, Father, for the funds. But I thank you, Father, that, that there's a future that you have for us, that you have a call upon our lives to go far beyond what we can ever imagine. Lord, I pray that for each one of us standing here this morning that we will take stock of our own foundations. And Lord God, if, if they are shallow, I pray that we will be humble enough to admit that and say, there's no way that I can be able to go where God wants me to go with the current foundations in my life. Father, I pray that we will yearn for a deeper understanding and walk with you. And that's a constant thing, Lord God. It's not going to change or end by the end of next week or whatever. It's a constant thing for the rest of our lives. We need to see the foundations established. But Lord, for the rest of our lives, we also want to see being used by you in whatever area, just in these areas that we see Nehemiah's life speak of. Lord God, we want to be used there as well and beyond. And I pray that as a church, you will take us, that you will extend our width and our reach, Lord. Far beyond, far beyond what we could ever ask for and imagine. I pray this, Lord God. I pray for a conviction to come, Lord, so that application could be real. Trust you for this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.